0: Audio Ground School Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Audio Ground School Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Smith. Today is a special episode, and we're going to take a break. As if people who know who have been following the podcast, sometimes we like to take a break because breaks are are good. They're needed to refresh. So we're going to take a break from the lessons and do a little bonus episode. Now, we've done bonus episodes in the past. Some have been on fun topics, some have been really valuable topics like study hacks and things like that that can help you in your student pilot journey, and this episode is going along in that kind of genre, but super exciting because for the first time ever, we're actually going to have a guest, so that's super exciting. I'm going to be interviewing Shannon Torres from Aviation Conversations, and you can look her up on Instagram, at Aviation Conversations. I highly recommend you do because her page has a bunch of wisdom on it. And it's great to see that just something and hear what she's got to say every single day can really help you throughout your journey. And so what the heck does Shannon do? Well, she is a stress management and personal coach for pilots. So she has a background as a counselor and a private pilot's license. So she speaks both languages. She's super uniquely prepared for the situation. I just thought I actually reached out to Shannon. I found her randomly on Instagram, and I loved her what she was doing, the niche that she has, you know, helping pilots with stress management. Especially because from me, if you guys know my story, my student pilot training experience was so stressful. It actually led to me making part-time pilot because I wanted to make it less stressful and help people navigate that. That's why I started part-time pilot. So she, her Instagram and what she's doing, really connected with me, and I thought because, and I know once a week at least twice a week, I probably get students reaching out to me saying this is so stressful, I'm running out of money, I'm running out of time, it's so stressful, I can't get this, I can't do that, I can't figure out this, what can I do? What tips do you have? And honestly, I had some things that I did from my own experience, what I've heard can work and I tried to you know, break it down and just be logical about it, but I wasn't speaking from, from any place of expertise. And that's what Shannon can do. She is perfect for that and provides perfect value for for that situation. So I think it's really cool what she's doing and it's going to provide value for you guys. And at Part-Time Pilot, my number one like company mantra as we grow is whatever we do, does it provide value for our student pilots? I've had people who want to be on the podcast, people who want to collaborate. I, my first question is always, how can this provide value to my student pilots? So that is exactly what Shannon in this interview does for you guys. I highly recommend listening to this and if you listen till the end, she's going to give out a we're going to provide a little link for her to give you even more value and a sneak peek into what she does. So, if you're someone out there who's felt stressed out and while flying or during your pilot training, this episode's for you. So, let's go and hear that interview with Shannon Torres. All right, so we are here with Shannon. And Shannon, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Yeah, so we're just going to go over some questions that I came up with that I think would help you guys out. I know when I went through pilot training, I would have benefited from hearing a lot about this stuff. So that's kind of the value we want to give you guys today. So hopefully you guys enjoy. And Shannon, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Shannon Torres. I Moved, I live in Florida. I moved here from Virginia. I am a former counselor who's now started coaching pilots in the aviation industry. I have my private pilot's license. I've been working in the training department of a 121 carrier for over four years. And I have a master's in counseling as well. So I wanted to come talk to you guys because I agree, Nick. But if I had known that these powers could combine, it would have helped me when I was getting my private pilot's license too. <laughs> yeah.
0: 100%. So we'll get into how I think, especially, and we'll have your opinion as well, but how I think I would have been helped by thinking about some of this stuff. But why don't you, I guess, mention what generally, I know there's. it's probably hard to say in just one or two sentences, but generally, how do you help pilot, student pilots, your audience?
1: Yeah. So I kept hearing about The struggles that pilots are facing, not just in training, but also in their careers when it comes to navigating the stressors that naturally come from being a pilot or being in training. And, you know, we we hear the checklist for I'm safe. We know the S is for stress. And then it's like, okay, cool. Yes, I am stressed. What do I do? And I realized that was actually something that I could help with from a capacity that is safe for pilots, which is why I offered us coaching. But I think we'll get more into that. And I currently do one to one coaching for pilots, as well as I'm setting up some classwork and coursework on stress management and other topics like leadership skills and communication, CRM, things of that nature, life skills.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. And it's so true. Like the only thing during my journey to become a pilot, and then even as a private pilot, the only thing I learned about stress was just don't be stressed. Like just remember that checklist. And it's like there's so many stressors that can come about when you are trying to become a pilot, or you are a pilot, and they never really get into how how to deal with that or how to overcome that. You just got to remember that don't don't fly stressed. Well, what if you're always stressed? Then you yeah. can't be a pilot. Or there's got to be other options, right?
1: Exactly. You know you're having to make split second second decisions in under a second you're flying a lot of times with other people in the plane you're literally in training which training for anything is stressful and they're like but don't feel stressed don't fly if you're feeling stressed and it's like so don't fly or pretend i'm not stressed right. <laughs> which one <to> do? <laughs> right yeah exactly and i'm
0: yeah a lot of us just pretend we're not stressed which is not not good so you mentioned to me that and i'm, I'm probably you'll be able to explain this way better but a lot of people's Fears with going to a counselor or something is that it'll affect their FA medical evaluation and they might get, you know, you've heard all the fears of getting deferrals or denials from the FA medical for you can actually see memes of them, like, you know, you sneeze or something and the FA medical comes getting yeah, denied or something. It said that you aren't required to report to the FA. So basically they can, they don't have to worry if they were to use your course or services or whatever because it's not going to get to the faa basically
1: yeah i'm trying to create a safe avenue for pilots and that was my goal from the beginning after i had actually spoken to friends of mine who are flight instructors in 121 carriers or are going through training and they'd all told me stories about how they had wished that they could have talked to someone during times of high stress but they were so worried that a well-intended counselor or therapist might put a diagnostic word on their notes that would flag something in the FAA system like depression or anxiety or anything that could put someone under investigation. And what's really unfortunate is right now, I feel like the FAA has more of a react approach when it comes to things. People get grounded first, and then they have to prove that they're actually okay, which I can understand in some situations, especially when there's a huge flag, but the issue is that there isn't a huge variance right now where they're going, okay, this person has this level of anxiety or depression. Like Maybe we won't ground them right away, but we'll have them provide some paperwork and everything is fine. Just know whatever level it hits, it's immediate grounding and uncertainty as to when... You'll be able to get things through. And I know this is something that they're trying to work towards with the current movements in the lobbying with the FAA and the NTSB board that we've been hearing about. But it's not, it hasn't happened yet. And the correspondences with these are still happening over snail mail, which, as we know, it takes a long time to hear back from something. And even then, you get. Maybe an email or a notification that says a decision has been made, but without knowing what the actual decision is until three weeks later when you get that letter in the mail. So the level of stress and anxiety and the what if that I heard pilots experiencing, it just makes for a lot of them, it makes it not worth it to even try because they're like, okay, but what if this happens? I don't want to deal with it. And if I have to choose between my livelihood and my mental health, I'm going to choose my career. So there we go.
0: Yeah. They really need to fix that. And I understand they're trying to do what they think is safe. I I totally get that. And, but like, who doesn't ever have anxiety or stress? You know what I mean? And like, I know firsthand and I'm sure everyone out there listening has experienced in some way where like, there's one word that gets put on maybe your medical chart or like a family member's medical chart. And then it just stays with them forever. Like my mother-in-law, she had like a pinched nerve and she had surgery. And afterwards, like a doctor, like she lost a lot of muscles and then like didn't do her exercises. So she she could move, but she could and so they put like partially paralyzed, but they put that word paralyzed. And so now when we tell doctors and stuff and try to get physical therapy for her to build those muscles back up to to be able to walk and stuff again, they just see the thing paralyzed and they don't even want to help. And we're like, no, that was she can move all of it. She just has just in her fingers. It's just a little bit in her fingers. And it's like, but they just see that word. And so anyways, they put like anxiety or stress. The point is that you're coming up with a way for people to deal with that without the repercussions of maybe getting it put on their FA medical or anything like
1: that, so. Yeah, but I wanted to try to provide something where it's like, okay, maybe we are having anxiety or stress or depression or what is it? But going to the core of, okay, why are these things happening? What can we do to help put steps in place to manage them? And especially even for stress with the class I'm designing, To have pre recorded, it's what are things that you can do to help manage stress now so that it doesn't exacerbate or get worse as you're going through training? Because the fact is, if you don't address it, all it does is it either expands or you suppress it and you think it's gone, but it ends up leaking out into other areas of your life, like your physical health or your relationships. And it just starts impacting things in a way that isn't healthy. So, a big mistake I see a lot of people make is thinking that suppression is the same thing as managing it. And it's just not the same thing. So I really want to help people be able to actually manage and navigate the normal stress that comes from being in the aviation industry and in training because it is.
0: Yeah, that's great. I feel like I'm learning stuff right now as well. So this is helpful for me. Okay. So what I want to talk about kind of get it down in a nitty gritty on things that student pilots might actually really be experiencing that cause stress or, or something. So what is the most common thing you see pilots struggle with in terms of like stress and mental health?
1: Oh, gosh. So the first thing I I think of, honestly, is the fact that we have a culture right now that says that there isn't an issue with stress in the first place, and that you have to be superhuman in order to succeed. Because I feel like this mentality stops people from even trying to get help and be preventative, like we just talked about, so that more serious outcomes don't happen and then you throw that into a high stress environment like training and we end up with things you all might have heard the term get their itis where even if we know something isn't safe we get in our minds that we have to get it done and we're gonna get there anyway i know this is something that's experienced Throughout the industry, it doesn't matter what level you are. I experienced it when I was a private pilot, and I hear stories of people experiencing it at major carriers. It doesn't go away if you don't manage it and you don't talk about it and allow yourself to manage the stress that you do feel in the air to make a better, safer decision.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I experienced that in flight test engineering during flight tests. You know, if there's like one more test point we have to get to, but something looks a little fishy there would be urge for people to want to just finish it up it's all over the place i feel like it's like an american culture thing just like we're just like get it done nine to five like type yeah
1: event. it's just like work 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 it's never enough like gr- yeah. grind culture yeah that's really
0: what it is yeah wow Ugh. so why do you think i mean we've already kind of talked about this but maybe you can yeah share some like examples or like how it can spiral out of control if they don't. So like why do you think it's important pilots they think about their stress and mental health and maybe like you said, kind of meet it before it grows. What are things that can happen if they don't, I guess.
1: Yeah. So some things that I have personally seen and heard of from people that I know are we spoke to earlier, the physical outcomes that can happen. Stress manifests in your body and sometimes we get used to feeling a certain way. It's kind of like if you went for a long period of time without exercising, it feels normal. And then all of a sudden you start exercising again and you're like, oh my God, where'd all this energy come from? Why do I feel like a superhero after like a week of running or something? But it's the same thing with managing stress. You get used to flying or doing things with a heart rate that's elevated increased or with your body completely tensed up and eventually you start to ignore it because it becomes the new normal. But even though you are like, okay, this is normal, our bodies don't work that way. So a lot of times we do start to see people with high blood pressures or arrhythmia or they start having back problems, digestional issues, all those things that we just kind of brush off but over time can compound into something really serious. And kind of like we spoke to earlier, the aviation industry, we have a hard enough time not in the aircraft managing relationships in our personal lives with friends, families, loved ones. But you throw into that a new regular schedule and a job where you are literally either isolated or sitting in a cabin or a cockpit right next to someone for hours on end. It can be very hard to transition from work mode to personal life interaction mode. and. You are at work, you get home, you want to have that time to de-stress. And before you know it, you're back in the airplane again. So it really can affect your personal life. And also just your sleep schedule in general. There are so many, so many things that can go out of whack with the life of an aviator. It's a beautiful lifestyle. But if we ignore those things, those factors, over the long run, they are going to affect us. We hear that Getting six to seven hours of sleep regularly at the same time every night is important for people. And then all of a sudden you're flying red eyes. You know, it just doesn't align. So it's knowing, you know, what can I do to help mitigate the effects of this as much as possible? To go into how important it is, some of the things that can happen if you don't actually learn how to manage stress. We go to a safety perspective you are carrying lives in the plane that you're flying, whether it's hundreds of people or whether it's just you, which you matter just as much as everyone else in that plane. So the ability to manage stress and make those decisions that will either make or break your ability to make a safe decision is incredibly important. When we don't know how to manage stress, A lot of times what can happen is something will happen and you'll end up in a situation where you have reduced situational awareness without even realizing it. That can include things like tunnel vision. I don't know if you heard, do you know the United Airlines flight 173 situation that happened is 1978? Vaguely. Yes. So this United aircraft was flying around. I can't remember the exact location, but... Something happened with the landing gear and they were trying to figure out what to do. And this was back before a solid CRM protocol had been put into place, which I could go into another tangent on that and how we need to address that more. But that's its own thing. And the point of uh,
0: communication like, resource management. Oh, crew cockpit. resource
1: management. Oh, yeah. Resource. Crew resource, yeah, 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 which yeah. is pretty much how to talk to people and create an ambiance of equal partnership in the airplane. Right. And equal accountability in the airplane. That's like the long story short of it, simple of it. And at this time, we had someone, there was this high stress situation. There's something wrong with the landing gear, they think. And the captain makes the call to start circling around the airport because he's trying to figure out whether or not he can land. And at the time, you know, The first officer wasn't totally sure what to do. He kind of kept telling him, you know, hey, I think we're getting really low on fuel. You know, we probably need to make a decision. And he's like, no, no, everything is fine. I know how much we have. Everything is going to be great. I've got this. And I believe there was also a flight mechanic on board as well who was getting really nervous. He didn't really say anything, but they have this all recorded in the black box because unfortunately... This didn't go well but he kept making this call to keep going and going and trying to figure out the calculations for it and by the time he had made a decision and actually the mechanic came in and said hey no we need to do something right now we're out of fuel they had to run out and had to make an emergency landing and ended up unfortunately killing a few people it was a really sad situation but the reason i bring it up is because they interviewed this guy way later And you guys can look it up if you'd like to. Again, it's the United Airlines Flight 173. He didn't even remember, he didn't realize that one, he didn't have as much time as he thought he did. And this is because of the classic tunnel vision effect that happens during stress. You lose time. And two, he couldn't hear the person next to him that kept telling him, Hey, I think we need to land. Hey, I think we need to do this. He was so in his own zone that everything just like pretty much blacked out around him because and he wanted to try to solve the problem so it's a not pleasant example but it is a situation that if you don't know how to manage stress unfortunately this is the kind of thing that can happen so that's what we don't want
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned both you know the physical aspects of it where it affects your blood pressure and your heart And then also the mental aspects, you know, I'm sure they're all interrelated in the biology of it because it's kind of like, have you seen the statistic of like on the daylight savings days, there's like the amount of heart attacks is like some percentage higher than normal because people are a little bit more hypertensioned because they lost like an hour of sleep basically. So there's more heart attacks. And then like on Mondays, there's more heart attacks as well. And so it's like, it's just kind of a microcosm of what you're talking about, which is like a little bit more stressful situations, right? Whether it's a Monday or whether it's like you got an hour less sleep, elevates your blood pressure. And if you're at risk of any of those things, like they're more likely to happen. So that's just kind of like an example of what what you're talking about. Not saying that's going to happen to pilots, but I'm glad you then roped in the mental aspect of it and the tunnel vision because- We even talk about that with before a test, just taking the written test. Mm -hmm. People will be like, like I get this question all the time. It's the night before the exam. Like, what should I study? I'm going to stay up all night studying. And I'm like, go to bed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't do that.
0: Just go to bed, you know, maybe in the morning before, you know, have coffee, have some breakfast and then just go through it right before the test. But you should have already done everything before that. Like, If you go to the test with no sleep, again, you're going to be hypertensioned a little bit. You're going to start getting stressed out more on the test and you're not gonna be able to think clearly and you're gonna make mistakes. So I'm glad yeah. you mentioned both both those sides and uh, how it can affect pilots in the air.
1: Yeah, even bouncing off what you just said, you have to think of it. And again, I made this mistake when I was getting my own and I think we spoke before about how I had to actually ask my examiner to allow me to halt mine and continue it later because my stress level was just off the roof. And yeah. if you think about yourself as a battery, and this is a beautiful metaphor, but it works out, you know, you're you're going to be in a high stress situation. If you're about to go on a trip where you know you're not going to be able to charge your phone, what are you going to do? You make sure it's fully charged the night before. And our bodies are just like that. So if you're going into this check ride, you're not going to be able to stop it unless you go, hey, actually, I need to discontinue until further notice, which is its own situation and totally fine, if that's what you need to do. But you want to go in with a full battery. And that includes getting a full night's sleep, eating well, staying hydrated. And like you were speaking to, making sure that you've done the work beforehand and maybe even freshened up in the morning. Another thing that people don't always do which was my mistake the first time is all those habits that you do to manage stress you throw out the window the day of your check ride because you're just sitting there anxious about your check ride but those things are some of the most important things that you could do so I keep my wow. hand up here cuz it's like okay imagine now you didn't take those habits into account you didn't take care of yourself Maybe you ate like crap because you were stressed out. Maybe you're dehydrated. You didn't think to get water. And oh, you didn't get a good night's sleep either. You're going into your checkride with a blinking red empty battery. And you're like, but I'll be fine. And it's yeah. like, no, you will not be fine. It's I, not I, fine. I
0: love that metaphor of the phone. Because even too, when your phone gets to real low, like it'll actually slow down. and it'll stop operating some apps because it's trying to just stay on. Yep. So that's such a good metaphor. I like that. It
1: is. It's like, which apps in your brain, which part of your brain are you willing to shut down right now to maintain battery life during your chakra? It's like, none of them. I need all of them.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I love a good metaphor. That that was a good one. Cool. So we may have already mentioned this, but maybe you can give one specific example. What do you think the FAA doesn't talk enough about? Like, If the FAA were to come to you and be like, Shannon, we don't talk about stress enough. We want to create... You know, some sort of program or learning module or something that talks about this more. What would be like number one thing you would mention in that?
1: There's so much, but
0: or maybe top three or something. No,
1: like. <laughs> I'm like, what, would I, what would my spiel be? I mean, for me to start, it's the fact that when it comes to the aviation industry. I think we're all really starting to see that a reactive response to anything is is not the best protocol. Like this mindset of prove to me that it's a problem and then I'll listen. It's very outdated. And I don't think we need to have more and more instances of people literally having mental breakdowns in planes because they didn't feel safe managing going to someone to help manage stress. To prove that it's something that needs to be addressed i think we already know
0: yeah so you're saying so i think what you're kind of correct me if i'm wrong but you're saying like maybe just in the curriculum for private pilot they teach like stress mitigating techniques
1: yeah don't just say like on the checklist okay you feel stressed yes or no it's okay when you feel stressed because you will what can you do right so actually having those things in place would be incredibly important and also doing things to help normalize the conversation around stress and mental health and physical health and self-care for pilots. Because I feel like a lot of work needs to be done around the culture of safety when it comes to, they. I feel like it gets really focused on the aircraft and not on the person. And the person is who's flying the plane. So the question of course is how can we keep passengers safe but it's also how can we keep the pilot safe and the beautiful thing is by answering one question you're also helping to answer the other question.
0: Yeah, 100%. That was I 100% agree with that because right now it's okay you're stressed decide not to fly. Well, what if you've already decided to fly and then you get stressed then what what do you do? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay, In- so this next question Kind of change where we're going with this a little bit. What would you say to pilots out there who, you know, because aviation is highly male dominated, it's like it's improving, but it's still like, I think 80% of my audience is males. And I know with us guys, and I'm one of them, not anymore. I'm glad to say I've grown, but uh, before, you know, it's like, you know, go see counseling or, or go see a therapist or whatever. I think men in the United States particularly are like, nope, don't need it, dirt off my shoulder, you know, it, it's part of the job. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that that feel the same. So what would you say to someone kind of has that attitude towards counseling or, or therapy?
1: Yeah, I would say I totally understand where you're coming from because I used to be the same way. And it wasn't even for me a, a mindset of, boo counseling sucks like no I actually really loved counseling but I was like I think counseling is great and also my emotions are fine I just don't have as many as other people and that's normal and (laughs) no that's absolutely not normal and it's actually not even true that usually comes about when like you're talking to you end up in this culture where you've been suppressing how you feel because you get told to either suck it up or you are kind of raised to believe that emotions are weakness. And I know for men, especially, you know, as boys, you get cold, kind of suck it up, man up, whatever. And it's almost like the only acceptable emotion becomes anger. And then adversely, we have the women's side of things where it's a little more challenging, because then with that culture, Any emotion that gets expressed from the female end, they get told they're being emotional and then the guy doesn't want to be emotional. So it becomes this cycle of just shutting down the behavior. And for a lot of women pilots now, I've seen, and not just in aviation, but in other industries as well that are very male-dominated... Women try so hard to maintain a decorum of everything is fine all the time. And it kind of leads to that joke where people are like, I asked my girlfriend if everything is fine and she says it's fine, but I can tell it's not fine. And it's like, well, if I say it's not fine, then I'm being emotional. If I say actually no, everything is fine and I don't care, then I'm being icy. So I don't know what to do. And it's kind of like we're both stuck in these worlds of feeling like we can't express anything. But I genuinely urge you all to consider a different perspective because I think even from hearing that we can all tell it's not healthy and it's also not true. You know, you do have emotions, you do have things that feel stressful and you also face huge pressures and challenges in the life of an aviator where you're again having to navigate the passengers in your aircraft, your own safety in an airplane, and the stressors that come from just living your everyday lives with unpredictable schedules and long hours. And choosing to suck it up can seem like the tough thing to do, but it had huge effects on your mental health, physical health, and just overall well-being. And eventually will show up in ways that affect your performance whether it's in aviation or in your personal life and personally what i've found over the past few years is i think it takes a stronger person to actually take steps towards self-improvement and owning that they're feeling a certain way about things it's a lot easier to pretend nothing is wrong and seeking support doesn't mean you're weak or you're admitting defeat. It's just recognizing that we all have limitations, just like an aircraft. And you can't expect to go through rigorous hours of training and lifestyle dynamic shifts and everything without needing some kind of help or assistance or guidance. It's just asking for, Hey, how can I do this better? And that's it.
0: Yeah. 100%. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that me too. Like that's one of my biggest kind of Gripes is that, like, yeah, there's like kind of a stigma out there that if you need to get help, that you're weak or you're a wuss or something, you know, and you're not manly or alpha or whatever word you want to put on it, you know what I mean? And it's actually, it's it, like you said, it's the stronger person is the one actually saying, Hey, I need some help and getting that help and then trying to change themselves. Like, it's so hard to change yourself. So people who are actually trying that and then people are actually doing it, incredibly strong people in my mind. So I'm glad you said that. Oh my
1: God. Yeah, I can speak to, actually, one of my friends was telling me a story the other day about how someone blew up at them over the phone. And it's just like personal story. Someone blew up at them over the phone and every fiber of their being wanted to react back. And like, yell back at them or just say something rude or condescending, kind of to just put that person in their place for acting the way that they were acting. And they were speaking about it to me afterwards. They were like, it was so hard. And the conversation they had, it was with the guy that I know, he was like, it made me feel a little bit weak to not say something back. But I was like, but that's so interesting. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because you just told me that it was really hard to do. And how easy was it for that person to lose their mind and say all those things? And how easy would it have been for you to lose your mind back? And da 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 yeah. da 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 But how much actual strength did it take for you to not do that?
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's such a good point.
1: It's yeah. wild.
0: It's hard. It's hard to not just react how you are have done your whole life, you know? And how you grew exactly. up. Exactly. And were molded to respond.
1: Wow. Practice.
0: Yeah. So one thing that I didn't know was possible before I you know ever talked to you know a, a counselor or a therapist was I didn't mm-hmm. think there was actual like tangible kind of cheats or strategies or like' that's the word I'm looking for like practices that I could implement that could actually yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that existed to help me deal with my Emotions. So, like, one of the things was that I got that was really helpful for me was managing expectations. Like, if someone is like, does something that like always annoys you or something, like, let's say your flight instructor, like the way they teach just really stresses you out. Like, they, they like to yell. <laughs> I, had a, I had a flight instructor that would yell at me during like the most critical phases of flight. And like, maybe it's something like that, right? But it's yeah. like, instead of trying to get that other person to change, even because like, even if that other person is in the wrong, I'm not like saying, I'm not getting them off scot-free or anything like that, but you can't really control them. You can only control yourself. So like, yeah. if that, someone does that every time, just start to expect that they're going to do it. And like, just that small like mindset change was like, once I started to expect it, I could like, just kind of like deal with it way better so anyways that was just one example but let's say someone is really stressed they're about to go on their checkride they're like in the parking lot of a starbucks next to their airport right and they're sipping on some coffee they got there way too early and they're really stressed and they're about to do the checkride what are they have an hour like what are some tips you can maybe give them to like calm themselves down relax that type of thing
1: yeah well first i want to laughing on the inside of the image of you managing that stress of expecting <laughs> the person to actually blow up at you in the plane i was just picturing you going like all right and five, four, three, two. <laughs> oh, there it is
0: no oh, like that is so if, much more funny if you think about it especially like i remember i was telling my wife this it was on like hot summer days in southern california and we're in like, this really old piper cherokee like you couldn't oh, design a stress test more stressful than that situation like i'm sweating it's hot i'm like my life is on the line they're yelling at me couldn't design a stress test like more stressful than that
1: god well, at least it, you eventually hit a point where you could make yourself laugh with it a little bit you almost make it a game it's like ooh, i wonder at what count they're gonna yell this time <laughs> yeah, i don't right. know
0: exactly once <laughs> you just expect it, it it makes it so much better <laughs> which is god. crazy but
1: i know it's so simple but at the same time, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes. Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm sitting in a Starbucks parking lot. This is probably something that I would do too, <laughs> an hour early for my check ride. Again, what would I do? <laughs> well, something that I would first recommend to people is a lot of times when we're entering a high stress situation, which a check ride is one of them, if you are trying to say a right isn't stressful. I don't people, like. I don't know what to tell you. You you're like one. I can't think of one person that I know that has said a right isn't stressful. Truly. So something that I would recommend first is when we start feeling stressed out, we usually feel it physically. That's why we say I feel stressed. Okay, well, what does that feel like to you? Well, it depends. It depends on the person. Some people feel it in their hands. You'll start to notice your hands kind of like tense up or some people feel it in their stomach. That's when we start having bathroom issues, which is not a pretty thing to talk about, but it's a real, a real thing to talk about.
0: I feel it in my Other- breath. Is that a thing? Like my.
1: Yes. Uh, short, you just kind of stop of breath. breathing. Be- yeah. 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 shortness of breath that's where actually interestingly that's where i feel it too i notice when i enter a high stress situation like if i'm going to give a presentation or i'm going to hop into a plane of my check ride the first thing that goes without my permission is my ability to breathe like a normal human being <laughs> yeah. and, and then you realize it and you're like ah why am i not breathing i know So i'm like
0: when's the last time i breathed
1: <laughs> oh my god i have no many times i've said that question a lot all of a sudden i'm just like People are like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't think I've been breathing for five minutes. (laughs) Like, oh my God. And I'm like, no, but it's so true. So I was going to say, you know, for people who have the hand, you feel that tingling, something I always recommend is actually shaking your hands out before you go to do something just to get the feeling back in there. Or actually, if it's tension, intentionally squeezing your hands shut as hard as you can for 15 seconds and then letting them go. What that does is it forces tension into your hands to a level that is beyond what you are feeling right now. So that when you actually do let go, it creates the loosening response afterwards. So you are releasing mm. that tension out of your hands. I, it's really nifty. I'm trying and it right with, now. Do it <laughs> <laughs> with the breathing. Something that I actually do at least once a day, still. I've made it a regular practice. Some of you all might have heard of breathing practices. They're in- it's intentionally taking the time to mindfully breathe. It's a game changer. And I started doing it as a habit whenever I was driving somewhere that I knew I was going to feel stressed out. I don't have music on or anything when I'm doing this because you don't need distractors. But it's, for me, intentionally breathing in to the count of six or seven and then holding my breath to the count of and this varies by person but for me I hold it usually 15 seconds but some people can only get to like seven or eight or nine or ten and that's totally fine. I was in choir when I was in high school you can bless with the large lung capacity for that. So you hold it for let's say 10 seconds and then the most important part is to intentionally exhale. To the count of nine or ten, and that is as slow as possible. And the reason why this works, just for everyone, I'm a little bit of an, a nerd of why does this work? I'll tell you why. <laughs> because when you go into a stress response, kind of like you were talking about, Nick, your your heart starts to race, your muscles start to tense, and you get shortness of breath. That's your body going into a stress response, getting ready to you know fight, flight, freeze on whatever stress response it might be. And when you intentionally take the time to slow down your breath and do inhale for five or six, hold for 10, exhale for 10, and you do it at least five times is what I usually do, you are telling your body that you are safe and everything is fine. And what it does is it actually sends a relaxed response, the de stress response, which is my own term. That's not the scientific term, but it's it sends a de stress signal to your brain, which will then relax the rest of your body as well.
0: Wow. So, so you're in like, it's so simple. when yeah. you're stressed, your body's in like fight or flight mode. And by then, like, or three,
1: spawn, Yeah. One of those.
0: And then you're like, when you just by breathing, you're telling it that you have time to relax like you're kind of safe right i guess
1: yeah there's no tiger in front of you the check ride actually Mm -hmm. isn't even happening right now and even when it does happen you're gonna be okay like that's it's almost like you're soothing your stress regulation system with breathing yeah breathing
0: breathing is a constant struggle for me but it's something that i have found to be very helpful when i do it I'm just just while you're talking the whole time. I'm like, man, God, I gotta I gotta breathe more.
1: And take a deep breath now, Nick. It's like, okay. Be a good role model. Like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how instantly better I feel just doing that. Just like that one quick breath. Yeah.
1: Like, oh, I feel so relaxed.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was gonna ask you any like kind of long-term daily exercises, but you kind of hit it on with the breathing. Do you have any tips like for me, for example? One thing that I've done to kind of force myself to breathe is literally just go to somewhere where someone tells me to breathe and that's yoga. (laughs) But are there tips to help people like gain the discipline of doing it every day or something like that?
1: Yeah, so something that I've heard, I'm a huge follower of Robin Sharma. I don't know if you have read any of the He wrote the 5am club and all these other books which are I've I've
0: heard of that, but I haven't read it.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that he speaks to is creating habits. And of course, you know, we have atomic habits, too. There's so many books on habits, but yeah, the takeaways I that, that I recommend is a good one. If you plan it, you're more likely to actually do it. So for me first, and especially my fellow aviators, I feel like we do well when we're being told what to do sometimes. That's why we have a thousand checklists and it's really easy for someone to tell us what our schedule is. and It's like, all right, cool. I'm doing that. What I did is I actually set a reminder on my phone to breathe, which sounds silly, but because we're breathing all the time. But again, there's a difference between that intentional breathing and the breathing that we do every day. And even if you set it for like noon or one or whatever time you want to, maybe it's first thing in the morning, you actually decide to take some deep breaths. It doesn't matter if you do it right at that point. It's just as soon as you see it, allow allow yourself to do even just those five deep breaths as soon as you can. And something else that helps with habit creation is making it the same setting. So the example I gave, that's why I always do it in my car when I'm on the way Mm -hmm. somewhere. Or if you Mm -hmm. are sitting in that parking lot, you have a few minutes doing it then, because you're there you can actually practice it and you create that habit of okay yeah I am entering a stressful situation but oh look here's this nifty tool I have in my toolkit to help calm myself down before I actually get in the building that I'm about to be in
0: yeah so, I like that because then you have additional natural like reminders so like the car will it will be like a trigger right it is it creates like a, yeah. a discipline trigger yeah like It's kind of like I started a long time ago when I was younger, I had insomnia and my parents told me to, I needed to create like a better bedtime, like routine. Like, Mm -hmm. so like brushing my teeth, going to the bathroom. This is when I was really young. Now, like I can't go to bed without doing those things because they're like, they're all connected. So it's kind of like that, right? Where Maybe what yeah. every, every time you get to your flight school, you just sit in the car and do the breaths it, and then it's all connected or something.
1: Yeah, it goes from being something that you have to think about to being something that you don't think about anymore. The more you do it, yeah. it just becomes natural. And even just, okay, so for everyone listening who's studying to become a pilot, that's, I mean, then that's the purpose of what you're doing. One of my guy friends, he was in flight training, actually with a 121 carrier. He and I talked about his own stress, because again, very normal to have stress while you're going through training. And something that he did was right on the inside of his training workbook that he opened every day is he actually put, he wrote, don't forget to breathe. And so every time he opened that book, it became just a reminder to, oh, even if you just take that one breath, like we just did, it's like, okay, okay. And then start doing things. And you could do it that way. Like er, you open up that notebook that you use to study every time and there's just a sticky note that says breathe. Yeah, And it becomes a trigger for you that every time you think about training or study for training, you breathe.
0: Yeah, maybe I need to put it into our ground school lessons at the top. (laughs) Breathe.
1: (laughs) You can just have a little pause in the middle of the video. Be like, and take a deep breath. And all right, continue. (laughs) Yeah. It would honestly probably help
0: oh 100 it would yeah i know we're laughing about it but it totally would
1: yeah get some water stretch then come back
0: (laughs) yep cool so i think you made kind of like a a free thing for our listeners can you explain what that is
1: yeah so kind of like we spoke to earlier i've Designed this virtual course that's going to be pre recorded for stress management for pilots and training. But in order to kind of give you all a sample of what that is, so you can better see what I'm talking about, I've created a freebie that you all can access via my website just to get it's like a short video with a snippet of what we would be going into in this class, which is again talking about the normal stressors that you all are going to face as an aviator and the actual class itself has. 14 different things that you could do to help mitigate stress. And I want to speak to here, don't do all 14 of these things at one time. The intention of that is to provide you with 14 possible tools and then have you pick the two or three or even just one that you think it would be easiest to integrate into your life. And interestingly, one of them is deep breathing, which we danced into. So
0: it's good. That's awesome. Thank you for providing that for our listeners. So when is that the course you're talking about? When is that going to be available? So
1: I'm going to launch the full course itself on February 27th. But by the time this podcast comes out, I'm going to have at least a waitlist set up so that people can start signing up for it if they want to. And that way you can get it delivered to your inbox as soon as it's available. And the video will be up as well. Once. Yes, I'm really excited. Once the actual program is live, then it'll just be a link to the page to show you the freebie video and everything. And then you can sign up for the class if you want. So I'm excited to have that for everyone.
0: That's awesome. Cool. Well, everyone listening, uh, be sure to, I'm demanding that you go check that out. No, at least, yeah, go check that out. I think it could be really, really helpful. And I know for a fact that every single one of you has experienced stress because I get messages all day long, every day about this question. How do you manage the stress? And the one tool that I've had to give them was just to tell them my experience and tell them just keep going and it'll it'll get better. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted Shannon to come on, to have someone who's actually an expert at it and actually can provide some actual tools to help with that so that now when I get asked that, I can actually provide some value by having Shannon help me out with that through your questions. So thank you for that. Appreciate that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be able to help people. Honestly, it's a true blessing. I'm just like everyone needs can be happy in their lives. And I want them to know that doesn't have to be that stressful.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing too, with it'll impact their entire life, not just flight training. So that's really cool. So how can people find you. So we're going to put a link right to that thing that you're talking about in our show notes. Yes. And then what if people wanted to, cause I love your Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you do a really good job at making videos and every day it's something positive and helpful. So yeah. So where can people, what's your Instagram and any other places people can find you at?
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is aviation conversations. So at aviation conversations, and thank you. I enjoy putting those updates for people as well and getting feedback. So if you guys find me on there, please feel free to DM me with any responses or feedback or any topics that you want me to hit on because it's truly a joy making those videos and knowing that they are making an impact for people. So thank you for speaking to that. My actual website is www.aviationconversations.com. I really tried to keep it simple and congruent for everyone. <laughs> and if you're feeling even more investigative, you can also feel free to find me on LinkedIn. So I'm Shannon Torres. It's my name again for everyone from the beginning. And I created a LinkedIn for Aviation Conversations as well, but I share Occasionally, I'll write articles on there, and then I'll repost them to my personal one as well. So you can find Aviation Conversations on LinkedIn, or you can find me there. But if you're trying to actually have a conversation with me, Instagram is the best way.
0: So So pretty much remember Aviation Conversations, and they can find you anywhere, basically.
1: Yes, that is the key.
0: We'll also put Instagram and LinkedIn in the show notes, too, if you just send me those. Yeah. Hack tip, if I know I struggle from this, you know, the scrolling through stupid stuff that doesn't help me in any way on Instagram. One thing that I've done with my personal Instagram that has helped a lot with that is I just remove, I like, I'd like thought of how the algorithm would send me things. So I just followed things that people that were putting out like Shannon or putting out helpful things that would actually help me. So I just like forced the algorithm to only And sometimes other stupid things will trickle on there. But yeah, I think that's kind of a hack to just make your Instagram kind of a self-help tool rather than a time waste tool. (laughs) So.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And something else I want to offer too, because I know we spoke to earlier, the fact that I do offer one-to-one coaching for pilots. And we danced into this a little bit, but just for everyone's reference, it is medically non-reportable coaching. And the reason why is because While I am formerly a counselor, I let my credentials expire from the state that I was practicing in after I started working in aviation. So I was able to create this beautiful safe space to help you guys. I still keep up with learning because I think that it's important for me and for you. However, it's not in a capacity that re-puts up my credentials to the state to where I would have to report to the FAA that we're having a conversation.
0: You did that intentionally. You intentionally, because you knew you'd be working with aviation people and you wanted them to have that safe space with you. So, like, don't people out there, don't think, oh, she's not credentialed. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So, she does (laughs) know what she's talking about. She did it on purpose so that she could help
1: you. Exactly. As soon as the FAA says that people can go talk to counselors and therapists and it won't create a ding on people's records and pilots actually feel safe doing that, I would be happy to do whatever I need to do to get those courses back in line. But for now, because the safe space is for a lot of people somewhere that isn't medically reportable, I do it intentionally so that you guys feel safe and that you can talk to someone. It's important. I wanted to bring it up because with the course that I'm putting out, if I'm going to choose three people to offer free one-to-one coaching for. It's a one-time 50-minute session out of everyone that signs up before the actual course launches on February 27th. So if you oh. end up on the wait list, we're just going to randomly pick three people to offer free coaching to, which typically it ranges from like 99 to $111 per session. So it's a great deal and I want to be able to help you guys.
0: Awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to share?
1: so grateful to be able to chat with you and everyone. Yeah. It's a huge blessing. And The more people that can know that it's okay and get help, the better, I think. So happy to awesome. be here.
0: Well, thank you, Shannon. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next week, we'll get back to our lessons on the ground school. We're almost done with the ground school. But till next week, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is, you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, And then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, Don't think, just do? Now when I heard this I was like oh my goodness this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now of course it's not that we're not thinking but it's that we understand things like weather aerodynamics what our instruments are telling us what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them and When we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. fly a plane for the first time. Everything's great and dandy. Once you get into, you know, bad weather flying or flying at heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross country flight planning and flying solo on a cross country flight, things get a little more advanced. And when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna start to get behind the aircraft. And when this happens, not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school, we have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground, or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community, form study groups, get questions answered 24/7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, from having that burnout and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts The way we explain things in plain written English and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.